Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are covering what are some of the top things you should keep in mind to have a solid operations side of your real estate investing company, what are some of the best hiring practices you should keep in mind, and most importantly, how to build the proper company culture for your real estate organization. We are chatting with Anne-Marie DeCoster. She is the president and COO of Kingdom Storage Partners. Here we go. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very, 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 very excited that you're here. I saw you speak at a conference and I thought you were the most well-spoken and thoughtful guest there. And I'm very glad that you agreed to join us today. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? You're very kind. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm excited to be joining you in a new capacity as president of Kingdom Storage Partners and Self-Storage Investing. I've loved the industry for decades. I've been in it for over 20 years, and uh, this is this is a new position for me. I've been involved in development from concept to exit of a variety of properties in a variety of U.S. locations, as well as having written business plans for starting self-storage in Guam and Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing, uh, Nagasaki, and Tokyo. Then also did a lot with associations over the years and uh, built a, a national brand as well as a protection plan. And so to uh, to be here now, it's a, almost like a completion. Wonderful. So... You led operations for many, many, many years within several different organizations or a handful of organizations. What are some of the biggest things that we should keep in mind with regards to having a solid operations organization side of the company? Mm -hmm. So it, it's critical that you keep your eye on the numbers. Every software system has uh, a management report. And the management report, if you pay attention to it, will tell you where dollars are leaking out. You can develop the best performa in the world, but if it's not implemented the way you intend because you have invisible leaks, then uh, you're not going to succeed uh, the way you should. You'll still succeed, but not as well as you should. So making sure you keep your, your eye on the numbers. Um, it's, it's really easy sometimes to turn that over to someone else and trust them. Uh, but it's not always wise. I, I've, been, I've been heard to say that not every manager steals, but every owner is stolen from. And so the way to prevent that is keeping your eye on those numbers. I also, um, Stephanie, I'm a real believer in consistency and simplicity. So whoever is running your shop, whether it's a remote manager or an on-site manager, or even if it's you yourself, it's, it's really important to understand what are your processes and how do you do them and then do them that way every time. And I just, you know, the thing I love about our industry is um, it's simple. We have a simple business model and I always encourage people to keep it simple, you know, don't complicate it with uh, extra services that are 
logistically intensive or man hour intensive, or maybe the technology isn't quite there yet to integrate so that it's automated. By keeping it simple and then having simple procedures and implementing them across the board, you up your game. I've talked to a lot of owners and things seem to fall into two camps. Either an owner is frustrated that they can't get their manager, whether remote or third-party management or on-site, to do what they want. And then others who say, I don't understand why they have a problem. And the difference between the two is, is accountability. You know, people will deliver what you inspect. If you're looking at it, measuring it, taking a look at the MSR, if you're asking questions, you'll get much better responsiveness. And if you do that with a team and you do that with each other live, there are very few people who want to say, oh yeah, I, I did a bad job this year, uh, this this week. I didn't sell any tenant protection to any of my, my new move-ins. The next week, they're not going to want to go back to that meeting with their peers and say, I did the same thing again this week. I don't show any improvement whatsoever. Nobody mm-hmm. likes that. Nobody likes to experience that. So I, I find that, you know, that kind of accountability, peer-to-peer, is critical, but also just, you know, simply holding people accountable for, for what they've committed to you that they will do. That will close your leaks. It'll pick up um, the money that has been left on the table. It all improves your bottom line. The great thing about our industry is that our leverage point is, you know, our break-even point is so low that after that point of about 70%, every additional business unit, it goes straight to the bottom line with no additional cost. Every additional rental, every additional protection plan or insurance plan sold, every, you know, all, everything that you can sell just goes straight to the bottom line after you've taken care of your cost of money, your cost of land, uh, your operating expenses. Uh, it's, that's, that's the glory of this business. That's why I love it so much, really, that it's, it's a simple business model. It's got a low break-even point. And people like you and me can still get in. You don't have to be the owner of Exxon to get into self-storage. You don't have to be public storage to compete. You can you can get in as Stephanie Baldrini and as Anne Marie Coster, and you can succeed. Wholeheartedly agree. And actually, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, mm-hmm. when you answered earlier about keeping an eye on the numbers, that's exactly what he says. Do not ever, ever get your eyes off the numbers. Um, right. You, you don't, that's not something you subcontract out. You, you always look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I know an owner who's, um, he's well into his eighties now. And he, he talked to his man. This is in the old days when everything was run by manager. He talked to his manager every day. He was, you know, they were his best friends. Well, lo and behold, they were stealing tens of thousands of dollars from him every single year. Yes. Wow. Yes. And he had constant contact, but he was not looking at the MSR. He wasn't looking at the management summary report to see that, you know, there were a lot of credits that shouldn't have been given. And there were a lot of fees waived. There were mystery units and 20% of his square footage was not accounted for on the MSR. Mm. All of these places where the money leaks out. Yeah. And if you're going to buy a property, I've I've always uh, encouraged folks who are buying an existing property as soon as they get there, the first thing they need to do is check every unit. What's in it? Is there a lease? Is the lease signed? 
And then you can identify your mystery units, you know, the money that was going into somebody else's pocket, it was rented off the books, or, you know, it's just somebody's friend and money was never collected, or there's a rural Arizona property where I think that there were only about 150 units. And the former manager had filled 40 of them with with stuff, with junk, 40, 40 40. units out of 150. (laughs) On that note, you have hired several people over the years. And that is, I think, company's number one priority to focus on how to hire the best of the best. What are some things that you look for when you are interviewing someone for either a low-level job or a high executive job? That's one of the hardest things today, isn't it? It's just a, it's a market where it's very difficult to find the kind of people, you know, that we are and that we used to be very common, I think, in the workplace, pursuing excellence, committed to doing a good job. Certainly you go to work every day, you show up, compassion is important, caring about what you do is important. Those are the things that I look for. And in the process of talking with people, I try to understand what their values are and see if there's an alignment of values. I've found in life that if you're very clear on your values, then you establish your priorities based on your values. And then your decisions line up with that. Doesn't mean decisions are easy, but they line up with that. So if you're talking with someone and you can tell that they don't value people and if valuing people is important to you because you want people who rent from you to give you five-star reviews because you cared enough to make sure they could access their Christmas presents on Christmas Eve to put them under the tree on Christmas morning. (laughs) I can only hear that story already. (laughs) It actually happened. And it happened because someone cared. There was a a tenant who was calling and calling and you're supposed to have 24-hour access. And now it's 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve and I hid my Christmas presents here. And a chief of staff saw the alerts and answered the phone and got someone there to open the property because she cared. She did it because she cared. I look for that. And so I, um, I ask questions that force choice and priority. One example is we operate with deadlines and uh, attention to detail is important. Tell me, how do you operate and how do you, you know, how do you, how do you manage those two? Like if you're running out of time, which do you choose? And then their answer tells you what their value is. If their answer suggests that they would choose the detail over the deadline, but it's time to auction, you can't miss the auction deadline unless you start all over again. But if the detail is not adequately taken care of, you are you may get, be auctioning against the law. So seeing how they answer a question like that tells you how do they think, how do they make decisions, what would they choose, is this a choice that would put my business in trouble legally, is this a choice that would go well with the customers? Is this a choice that would give me five stars or one stars? Yeah. Those I was looking for a detail. I'm, got, I'm glad I got the right answer. <laughs> well, unless it means that, um, that you know, the deadline is, is Christmas morning and you, you can't, let, yeah. you can't yeah. enable the tenant to get to the, to the present. Sometimes time is more important, but <laughs> it depends on what the situation yeah. is. 
if you're running a school system and if you paid attention to detail and because of that, you missed a deadline and that meant a kid didn't graduate from high school, well, that's a bad decision. (laughs) But if you were so bent on meeting a deadline that a kid fell through the cracks and didn't get, you know, the special education he or she needed, well, that's a time when you should have chosen the details. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I look for critical thinking. I don't think our education system does a great job in teaching critical thinking, uh, but I I do believe that it still exists and it can be (laughs) cultivated. It can be strengthened. And, and we all have a chance to do that. And when we do that for each other, you know, we make that person stronger in every area of their life. I believe in a probationary period too. <laughs> so yeah. Within 90 days, it's very clear. You can probably make the decision within 30. Yes. And I believe in hiring slow and firing fast. Oh, my favorite sentence as well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. They don't, it, it doesn't get better. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you take a good hard look at the interview and you know that's the best it's ever going to be and if that's not good enough Mm -hmm. don't don't choose someone just because they're uh just because they breathe (laughs) yeah or because you have an emergency spot that you need filled right it is not worth your time no it's not and on that note being in the bay area you see all these huge organizations like facebook and google they they have a certain company culture that they cultivate from the beginning where you can see that everybody's a professional and they they they're they're kind of very similar in the way that they behave do you have any tips for creating a great company culture and i'm also aware that it has to start with the very first employee How can one set up themselves for success in a very early stage or late stage? Culture certainly flows from the top down. Another sentence you probably like a lot is they don't care what you know until they know that you care. A lot of that is conveyed with being really clear on your values, your core values as a company. So you know what you're about and then you know what your core values, so what you're about is your mission and then your core values are customer care, uh, bottom line. Those are enough in running a property, (laughs) really. (laughs) Attention to detail so that there are not weeds growing in cigarette butts. Conveying it clearly and frequently. I'm thinking particularly of of operators, owner-operators who do that very well. And and I, I hope he won't mind a shout out here, but James Reed is someone who does that very well. He's, he founded Storco, And every single member of his team knows what is the company mission, what are the core values, and they're held accountable to carry out those core values in everything that they do. And everything they do is also measurable. Mm -hmm. It's again, you know, reemphasizing consistency and simplicity. It's not a big, complicated, hairy thing. It's, It's rather simple and straightforward, and it's oft repeated. You have to talk about it a lot. And then your, your actions have to match your talk. You can't say we are a problem-solving organization and keep kicking the problems down the road to be solved. Right. Because then your team sees that your walk doesn't match your talk and they get discouraged. You know, if they adhere to what you say and then they keep bringing the problems to the surface to be solved and they're continued to be kicked down the road, that's very frustrating. Exactly. Or if we say customers first... And yet we don't answer the phone when the customer calls or we don't respond to the emails 
and we don't follow through with all the details necessary in the tenant profile so that the customer has access when they're supposed to and doesn't have access when they're not supposed to. You know, that's, that's not customer first. That leaves someone at the front gate with a truck that they've rented and three friends and four pizzas and not able to get in. Yeah. And boy, that gives you bad reviews. Oh my gosh, nothing gives you bad reviews. Like I'm supposed to be able to get in. I can't and no one's answering the phone. Oh yeah, I would give a bad review myself. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. so you really, you have to make your walk match your talk and you have to mm -hmm. know what your talk is. So I heard um, Alyssa Quill talk about this recently. She's the CEO of Storage Asset Management. And when they onboard a new employee, they always ask them, how would you like to be celebrated? You know, when you've done something that we just want to give you a shout out to everybody, what is it? What, what makes you feel good? And you can get a big variety of answers. It might be mm. an Amazon gift card. It might be a bouquet of flowers. It might be a donation of $100 to an organization that provides chickens and goats to poor families in the third world. And, and if you give that gift to the person who wants the flowers, it doesn't work. And if yeah. you give the flowers to the person who'd really rather have the cash, well, you know. Yeah. Th so the point is she tries to get to know what makes her employees tick, what makes her team tick. And she tries to line up with that to the extent that it also aligns with the company values and the way they do things. So I love that. I love that suggestion she made and yeah. I, I'm using it and I'm, I'm sharing it whenever I have an opportunity. Yeah. Great, great suggestion. For me, it's cash, you know, but there you go. It's not everybody. There you go. <laughs> like Couple you said. People thought it was flowers for me. <laughs> All those this week. <laughs> Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think is important for our audience to know? Well, I am a very happily married mother of four sons with a wonderful golden retriever. For me, that's an example of, of my values, my priorities, and my decisions. Uh, because I didn't want to subcontract out raising my kids. So I found work that enabled me to be here. Here is, I, I've worked remote for 29 years. And it meant that I, I certainly had to forego opportunities. Sure. But I didn't, go, I didn't forego the opportunities that were the most important to me, which were being here for them. And what I find is that over time, if you're true to yourself, you know your values, you know your priorities, and then you base your decisions on those you have more return on your investment than you ever would have, even though it means you forego opportunities, even though it means you, uh, you perform at one level professionally that might be lower than you had before or you will be in the future so that you can pour your energy into taking care of a sick loved one or um, you know, raising your children or starting a charitable organization, you know, whatever it is that your values drive you to do. So, so I would encourage people to really be clear on that, not only for their companies, but for themselves, and then to live them out and play the long game. Because in the end, it's all going to be worth it. And you're not like Barbara Bush said, you know, you're not going to miss one more degree, you're not going to miss one more business deal closed, but you're going to miss time with your loved ones. Yeah. Well said. I really appreciate you. And uh, thank you so much for coming here today. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, I am at Anne Marie at Self Storage Investing. 
And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook, and you can find me there as well. And I have a strange spelling of my name, so you'll have to check it out in writing. <laughs> Copy paste. Yes. Well, Anne, thank you so much for making the time. I really, really appreciate you coming over. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Stephanie. And I am incredibly happy to announce that we are having an advanced real estate investing summit on October 19th and 20th with amazing guests like Ken McElroy, Mark Moss, Neil Bawa, and many more. We're focusing on advanced strategies, not only from a real estate investing perspective, but also from a tax benefit. If you are a real estate professional or a W-2 employee that wants to invest in syndications, this is going to be a conference for you. We have super early bird pricing happening right now for two more days until July 15th. And on top of that, we're giving a 20% discount on top of the super early bird pricing, which is Summit 2020. I'm going to put the link under show notes, but the website is aresummit.com, Advanced Real Estate Summit. So A-R-E Summit. Dot com. Use code SUMMIT2020 for an additional 20% discount. I cannot wait to see you guys there. And I'm co-hosting this event with a dear friend of mine, Brunson Hill. He has been in the podcast before, and I really, really, really look forward to it. And I will see you next time.